Hello and welcome to the Radical Imperfectionist Podcast, a show where together we work to embrace who we are, to grow into our own allies, and to become a source of empowerment for ourselves and those around us. Hello, I hope you're having a wonderful day so far. Today I wanted to talk about your internal bully. Many of you may already know what imposter syndrome is, but some of you may not, so let me clarify for you my understanding of this term. Imposter syndrome happens when you feel like the real you does not live up to what everyone thinks you are or what you think you should be. It's when you fear that if, and inevitably when, you get found out, nobody will approve of the real you. Essentially, it's when you don't think you're enough. With imposter syndrome, there is shame twofold. There is the promised shame that awaits you once you are potentially found out, and there is, while awaiting that shame, an abundance of shame that is present here and now because of your perceived unworthiness, which can often successfully work to derail you from whatever positive force is moving in your life. This syndrome is intimately related to perfectionism And as a result, it has been incredibly pervasive in my own life. It's a pattern that banks on lies and it thrives in cycling them over and over through your subconscious mind. It could come in many sneaky ways. It can tell you that you didn't earn whatever good that has come your way, that you lucked out, that you're not as intelligent or beautiful or deserving or whatever as so-and-so. It is ruthless, completely unhelpful, and a load of crap. Those of us that have struggled with imposter syndrome have had a long and intimate dance with the accompanying fruit of shame and fear and pain that it uses to entangle our hearts. Per usual, I hope to share part of my story that fed my own imposter narrative. When I was growing up, I learned some ordinary things and some not so ordinary things. I learned things like how to do laundry young at a laundromat, how to shampoo a carpet, how to clip birds' wings and cats' claws, how to wash dishes and make chicken and spaghetti, how to clean a home and mow a lawn, and how to bus downtown for groceries. I learned how to give back massages to help my mom find a little relief from her chronic pain after having been in a couple car accidents and living horizontally for quite some time. I tagged along to Alcoholics Anonymous as a young visitor and through much practice, I gained the ability to turn a styrofoam cup inside out by first patiently and meticulously pressing flatter every square centimeter of the cup and then gently turning it outward in a slow methodical way. I would draw patterns and scenes on these inverted cups with ballpoint pens, write poetry on the paper napkins, and weave little wooden rafts with coffee stirring sticks. I became adept at carrying on conversations with people from all backgrounds and ages and stages of life and grew desensitized to hearing the heart-wrenching stories of these same people hitting rock bottom and feeling incredible loss and heartache. I never stopped feeling deeply for these souls, even though over time it became something not so unusual or shocking to hear for me. 
Hearing of another person's pain was a way to see and accept them and understand that I was not the only soul who had suffered internal pain. The skeletons dusted off from the closets of these people opened my eyes and made my heart both more expansive and more fearful of the world at large. I learned how to talk about pain and how to listen and how much an attentive and empathic ear can help. These are valuable lessons for which I'm very grateful. But during this time, there are also so many normal things that I told myself that normal kids with normal childhoods did and learned that I did not. Seeing it this way made me feel like an outsider. They learned some basic and often silly parts of normal life that I didn't learn or understand and I just felt so different. The kids that I was surrounded with in school knew and understand words and concepts that related to life as they knew it and to which I felt clueless. They knew about the fun places to go and have a birthday party, how to style their hair, and they knew simple pleasures that I did not. They knew the names of musicians that they loved and the names of Hollywood actors and films. They knew how to order a steak, what games and clothes were the coolest, and they knew maybe just something about sports and major teams, which was much more than me. This might all seem lame, and honestly, it actually kind of is, as I now know that so many kids have had it way, way harder than I did, and many also went through similar experiences. But for me, at that time, I felt like it was just me and it was a very lonely place to exist. I didn't know what people were talking about so much of the time from my own life experiences, so dramatically polarizing theirs and rarely having any points of intersection. As a result, I didn't have knowledge that related to what was acceptable conversation, so I kept quiet. I didn't know how to engage when there was no common ground. All that I had to share was either inapplicable to others or too vulnerable to be safe with almost anyone. In a lot of ways, I still battle feelings of thinking that I have to play catch up with learning what was going on during that time. In college, I learned about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which, if you're unaware, is a theory in psychology which says that we seek first to meet the most foundational level of needs before we move up the pyramid to the psychological and self-fulfillment needs. I was surviving. My mother was kicking ass the best she could with the cards in her deck, but she was surviving. And as a result of us seeking to meet our fundamental needs, what I had in my conversational toolkit for connecting with others in order to build relationships was substantially limited for what was socially acceptable conversation among my peers at the time. I started to watch people. A lot. I became a chameleon. I learned how to act and what to say, and if I didn't know, I avoided. I was agreeable and I blended in. Unless my emotions broke free by accident, I hid. In order to hide, I constantly compared. I compared myself and judged myself so that I would know how to adapt. I actually became a pretender in many ways, an imposter. I built a shell to protect myself, and despite the fact that there are many variations in degree, this is what teenagers do. We learn in our adolescence to do what it takes to attempt to meet our needs for love and acceptance. 
We have at that point made a lot of decisions about the world and we use what we know and what we have decided as we formulate who we will present ourselves as in this world so we can survive, thrive, or somewhere in the middle. If at this point we are under the impression that we are not enough, then we choose to present a version we find acceptable. This version becomes our imposter that we try to hold up against all odds at any cost. And we judge ourselves to this false image constantly. We compare to others, to our false selves, and we continue to feed the imposter. Even as I wrote this, I heard the voice knocking. I heard the voice telling me, who are you kidding? Who's this gonna help? You're no expert. But to the, that voice, I will not surrender. I am done surrendering to the voice of lies that tries to take over my life and hinder my success. I tell my story not to gain pity. I know my story is not the only one of this kind, and many are so much deeper. No, I tell my story to help you hopefully break the chains of your own imposter syndrome. Today I wanted to talk about this because just showing up and talking about the experience of imposter syndrome in our lives is powerful. So much of the authority and the lies that go through our heads have to do with the loneliness, hearing the lies all alone, trying to hide from the voices and hide the fact that they exist from other people. Thinking that it's the hiding that protects us, when in reality, it's the hiding that keeps us from really being seen and heard. It's the hiding that keeps us from the very thing that helps us to become free from those lies that bind us. The idea here is that just as we each have a hero inside, we each have a bully inside of us as well. Behind this imposter syndrome is a bully that tells us these lies, that tells us that we are not good enough, tells us that we don't deserve what we have, sees all of our weaknesses and actually uses them against us as evidence to boost the velocity of the imposter's voice. We have to stand up to the bully. It's not easy when we have been living under this power our whole lives, but it is possible in sunshine we're going to work on this. Just like a real bully, changing the way we respond to the bully doesn't necessarily make the bully disappear, but it does weaken the bully's voice and power and make it harder for the bully to hijack our minds in the future. Our thought world is a precious resource in our lives. It is one of our most valuable resources. It is where we exist and it's where our happiness is possible. We need to protect it as best as we can. So what can we do about this? We can do this by working on specific thought patterns and habits. First, we need to stop comparing ourselves. We are not other people and working towards admiring people and keeping that from snowballing into a comparison that ends in a value judgment is incredibly important. I know for me, I often find myself pulled into all sorts of body comparisons when I go on social media like Instagram or Facebook or when I happen to peruse a magazine at the cash register. I've been working very hard on my relationship with my body in appreciating and nurturing it and loving it for all it makes possible and has made possible in my life and yet 
I can still very easily find myself drawn to images of the youthful slender bodies of perfectly posted Instagrammers and then find myself downcast in a mountain of shame, feeling less than after listening to thoughts that compared her breasts to mine or her slender thighs to mine or her flawless complexion to mine and always thinking mine was inferior. I can find myself overcome by small and growing fears like, what if those people who used to tell me how fit I was pre-motherhood saw me now? They would say I let myself go. I'd be found out and I would lose my value. Or would my husband have married me 10 years ago if he knew I would look like this now? This is garbage. None of this is helpful. Stop comparing. Each time you find yourself comparing yourself to another for any reason, stop and write down what is authentically wonderful about this person. If you can't write it down, just you can think it actively. The person you're comparing yourself to. And then write what is beautiful about yourself. You see, when we start to loathe ourselves, we don't love others more or better. This doesn't help anyone. No, we envy them then. And envy is the enemy to love because not only does it keep us from really seeing and loving them, but it causes us to reject ourselves. When we reject ourselves, we don't have grace and real love to give others. So try to start this practice and see how good it feels. I also recommend that you take a break from the main sources of your comparison if this is something you can do. If you can take a break from social media to put this into practice with other less constant comparison triggers for a while, as it becomes a habit, that will be very helpful. This is something I have to do regularly. Also, we can allow ourselves to really understand that this is an element of perfectionism and that they fuel each other. We can start to see that our value is not within our achievements, but just is. We were not created to be lovable when we do X, Y, Z. We were created to be loved and to go on loving. In pure love we were created, and that is where our value lies, nowhere else. When we start to learn and accept who we are apart from any part of an image, we can begin to let go of having to do it all perfectly, and thus feeling that anything less than perfect renders us unworthy and at risk of losing our value. We can also work on disarming the power of the imposter syndrome in our thought world by talking about it when it rears its ugly head. It helps significantly to find an anti-bully buddy. I'm not kidding here. It's super helpful to have a friend or several that are emotionally safe for you to talk to when you're having these hard times. To have someone you can text when you feel ashamed of who you really are, thinking that you're just not enough and afraid of being exposed. Shame makes people think, say, and do crazy stupid things. The crazy stupid things we do and say when we're immersed in shame reinforce the very beliefs that are resulting in the feelings of shame. Don't allow your mistakes and imperfections to be a verdict in your life. You can be accountable for your actions without choosing to allow those actions to define you. Find someone that you can share in these moments with. You can even open up the conversation specifically to this, saying that when you're in a shame cycle or a cycle where your bully is disrupting your world, you will reach out to each other and you will be there for each other. 
This eliminates the second guessing during the time of need. We've all been there. And this will eliminate the worry when you do reach out and you don't hear that response you feel like you need right away. When I text my sister or certain friends in my shame cycles, or when my imposter syndrome is trying to take me down, I literally feel better just typing it. I already feel heard and I already feel the lies weakened before I've even sent the text. Find your anti-bully buddy. Another step we can take, something we need to stop doing really, is that we need to stop dismissing our achievement and our abilities. What we have done and what we will and what we do well. We can stop criticizing ourselves and stop putting ourselves down. I can't tell you how many times I've met incredible women who've told me they were not beautiful or that they were not smart enough or whatever else they felt was lacking. So many of the times, it seemed as though they felt obligated to say these terrible things about themselves. I feel like it's not been acceptable for women to own their worthiness throughout history, but we are in an age where the women of our planet are being empowered and awakened in flocks. This idea of owning our worthiness doesn't mean we become arrogant, but I think this is where the line is blurry for so many people. It's like there's a belief out there that if a woman is confident and doesn't put herself down, she's full of herself. That is absolute garbage. And on the flip side, my version of humility does not mean you think you are less than. Screw that. You are a child of God. You are a created being full of life and blessing. You are totally imperfect and you don't need to hide because sister, we are all imperfect. You don't need to think less of yourself. It is, impo- it is possible to be confident and humble, knowing we are enough that we are loved and lovable, and owning it is not the same thing as thinking that we are somehow more loved or more worthy of love than others. That is arrogance, and I'm willing to risk my imposter syndrome trying to throw lies my way all day long to own this truth. I am enough, you are enough. We are beautiful, powerful, imperfect, and enough. Yes, define joy. We must also be grateful and acknowledge that we have incredible blessing and that not everything that happens is because of something that we've done. I do believe God is a giver of blessings, but I will do my best to own my role in this life. I will not be a victim and I will not accept the lies. I will do my best not to be lazy and to accept both when I rise up and when I fall and be accountable for the results of both. But as much as I will not dismiss my failures, I will not dismiss my success. I will seek to find the value of each step in my journey with gratitude and confident humility, even though sometimes I will act totally contrary to what I desire to be. And sometimes I just won't want to do my best. That won't be a justification to shame myself anymore. I won't be arrogant enough to believe that I am the creator of the source of this life-giving energy, making all of this possible, but I won't waste the energy that God has given me on thoughts that make me or the mission God has given me smaller. I will fall, but I will rise up. I will rise up and I will fall, but through it all, I am enough. You are enough. 
Stop calling yourself ugly, stupid, lazy, whatever. Stop saying it was luck, chance, or that it could happen to anybody. Stop throwing compliments around in envy while loathing your own incredible being. And recognize that God has filled you with blessings, even if you can't see them yet. We all have habits that need improving. We all have things about ourselves we know others would not like if they saw our thought world naked. Guess what? That's why we can't read each other's minds. I'm not nice all of the time. Some of the narratives that go on in my head are downright horrible, and that doesn't make me unloved or unlovable. It makes me human, damn it. It makes me an example of what happens when God makes a radically imperfect, beautiful being in His image that wants to mimic her father but isn't freaking God. You are not God. I am not God. But you are not a mistake. Own your actions, good and bad, without shame or a verdict. They are for growing and learning. And you, sister, you are for loving. Don't ever forget that. I hope you take these words and the connections you've made into your week with a whole new perspective and an awareness of the way you see yourself and the way you see the world around you. Have an incredible week full of laughter, joy, and maybe some good cleansing tears. This is Holly Ann Casper, the Radical Imperfectionist. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you'd like to stay current on whatever is posted, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can also head over to theradicalimperfectionist.com for other resources. Have a wonderful day.